can you believe? That is a statement that I have said all through 2011. It is hard to believe that our government is making such decisions without the input of Jehovah God. Can you believe that our education system believes that the intellect of man can literally run a nation, a corporation, a family, or any other society part without the input of Jehovah God? Can you believe that in two th- in, in 19 and 60, ages 20 to 30 were asked, do you believe it's necessary that you get married? Out of that, 27% said yes. In 2011, the same Gallup poll was taken of ages 20 through 30 that said only 14% of America believes in that age bracket that marriage is even necessary. Can you believe that the church is in such a crisis now that we water down truth? We do not want to offend anyone in the church, but we do not care if they live and compromise a double standard life that will immediately send them into the judgment and the presence of a holy and awesome God. Can you believe that our education system is now rewriting textbooks to remove God from our history and to convince your children that you can live a life without the input of Jehovah God? Can you believe that we are now approaching another election where Christianity will not even go into the minds of many people who call themselves Christians and they will vote even though candidates believe in abortion, same-sex marriages, homosexuality, and humanistic ideas inside of our education system? Can you believe that we would rather be accepted by society than fear the rejection of a holy God? And in the midst of it, we are in what the Bible calls a crisis. Crises meant that if God does not step into our nation, the results of what is about to happen to our nation, neither is the world prepared for it and neither is the church world prepared for it. I don't know what there is about mountains in the Bible, but there is something when God makes his appearance on a mountain It is not just what he does, it is who he is as he proclaims that I can do what mankind cannot do. And in the midst of it, we call ourselves Christians as we come today together, together on the Sabbath day. Christians literally was a word that meant that you had so given your life to Christ that you lived your life different from anyone else who did not know him. Can I talk to you this morning? You talked like Christ. You processed like Christ. You treated people like Christ. People knew that you were different from what would be called the heathen or the unbeliever. And there is something about mountains that as we look for it, you and I are looking for comfort when God is looking for his church. And in the midst of it this morning, we are the answer. Either we raise to the occasion or God literally will be looking around saying, you did not fulfill your assignment. There is something about Mount Zion where God comes in a powerful way. And the Bible says that on Mount Zion, David put the tabernacle as he returned. A generation who learned to have church services for over 200 years without the presence of God. Can I talk to you? They raised their children. You do not need God to act right. You can raise your hands. You can shout. You can make your sacrifices. You can give your offering. You don't need God. And so for over 200 years, a generation raised up having church services according to the book, but God never showed up at the service. 
can I talk to you this morning? And God shows up on Mount Moriah and he stands there with David in that in Mount Zion and he stands there with David and says, whatever made my people think that they could call themselves worshipers if I don't show up. And in the midst of it, there is Mount Moriah, where Abraham is such a picture of who our heavenly father is, because God required Abraham to bring his only son, even though he had Isaac, what is born of the flesh, God will never acknowledge only what is born of the spirit. And we see a type of God, the father through Abraham, as he takes his only begotten son, lays him upon an altar and is willing to to sacrifice him for mankind and at the moment when it looked like death would have its final blow over in the thicket was a ram and God declared Jehovah Jireh anything that you ever have need of don't be foolish like religious systems and think that you can get it without me. And in the midst of it, God wants us to know today that America church is in serious trouble because we know the privileges of God, but we have missed the life of God. And in the midst of Mount Sinai, we see Moses go up. On Mount Calvary, we see Jesus die. On the Mount of Transfiguration, we see the glory of God in its fullness. On Mount Olive, we see that he will return. On the Mount of Beatitudes, he teaches and and instructs people, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are the poor in spirit. For they shall see God. What he is saying is anytime you're not desperate, you miss seeing who he is. And this morning, there is a desperation inside of my heart. And I am 73 years old. And I want you to know I am armed and dangerous because when you get past 70, you are closer to heaven than earth. And you could give a flip about running for anything or getting anybody's vote. So this morning... I want us to open the Bible and believe that we have come because we are a generation that still believes the Bible talks. Come on. We believe when we come into the sanctuary and we praise God and we worship God, we open our spirit so the book can talk to us. We believe we came for encouragement from God through the book, encouragement and strength. We believe for instruction this morning. We believe in correction this morning. We believe in confirmation this morning. We believe in conviction this morning. We believe that this hunk of clay. Come on. This old dirt bag belongs to God and he has the power and authority to shovel anything out of this dirt to find himself the hope of glory. And so if you came to church to act nice, you might as well leave because we fixing to have church. Come on. And God wants to talk to us. God wants to talk to us. And in the midst of it, I found that sometimes I am more impressed with my voice than his. Oh, you better give me an amen. Come on, because if you don't give me an amen, I'm going to start prophesying. Come on, I'm fixing to call all of you liars. Come on, and you lie, you fry. Come on, this morning. Sometimes we're so impressed with our voice, we can't shut up long enough to hear his voice. Uh, The other day, I had such a great idea. Isn't it amazing? That's what makes God laugh in the heavens Uh, when the church has great ideas and the board votes on them. (laughs) And he that laughs in the heavens said, excuse me, it is my church and I don't know what idea you came up with, but it doesn't fit into my plan." How many of you know God will make you divine frustrated to make you know how stupid you are? Uh, Nudge your neighbor and say, she's talking about you. It couldn't be me. (laughs) So this morning, may we open the book. Does God really exist? That is a question that our nation is asking and our government is acting like he doesn't. Yeah. 
Is there really a true supreme being that watches over us at all times? Can we know him personally? Do I really believe that he has ultimate power, perfection, and knowledge, and that he really is running everything, and he is not Democrat nor Republican? Oh, I'm going to rattle some cages this morning. (laughs) Do I really believe that the government rests upon his shoulders, not on the White House? Oh, can I talk to you this morning? I'm going to go where angels fear to tread. This sweet little brother has already told me, any assistance you need, I am here. And I feel that he can lift this 200 pounds and run fast. (laughs) So if you get upset, I'm jumping in his arms and going to demonstrate God is all power. So this morning, as we look at the book, do I believe that he is a God of love this morning that can enlighten my heart, open my eyes, anoint my ear? Do I believe that he can show me what life is about and that because he shows me what life is about, he always also shows me how to live life. Do I believe that he can save me from the darkness and the wickedness and the world system and the one world church, the one world government and the one world money that is right in front of us? Please listen to me very carefully. The economy of this world will have to collapse for the Antichrist to come on the scene. Because it will look so hopeless that when he rises with false power and false miracle, many will be deceived into buying into that system because he will appear as a savior to do what no one else could do. Come on, can I talk to you this morning? Do I believe that he can bring us into his kingdom? And when everything is collapsing and everything that is not built on kingdom principles cannot stand, that because I am in his kingdom, I will see no fear. Oh, I got to get an amen. I will have hope when everyone else is hopeless. I will have health when everyone else is sick. I will have provision when everyone else is begging. Oh, y'all got to hear me this morning. And it's because I am not in a religious system, but he has pushed me into his kingdom. And when the world is shaken, it cannot shake anything in the kingdom of a living God. Do I really Believe that. Yes. Because it's important this morning. Now, I'm probably going to end up at the back of the church. Y'all got to realize I'm stepping on the devil's head because I've been sick for three weeks. I've been throwing up blood and the devil is a liar. And I don't care how weak I am. I am strong in him. And I am here to tell you he is not going to shut up my mouth. I am going to end up radical because before this service is over, he's going to regret messing with Texas. Y'all ain't hearing me. Come on, because we got a bumper sticker that says, don't mess with Texas. (laughs) Turned around and said, I now remember why Pastor John will only have her once a year. (laughs) Do I believe that he is perfect in his love? That he is perfect in his mercy and that he is perfect in his justice. Do I believe that God wants me to understand that in the midst of where we stand, I've got to remember that coming together is for God's thoughts 
and to hear God's voice. Now, I want to just talk to you from my heart, and then we're going to get in the Word. Life is a battle. I don't care who confesses what. The minute you draw your first breath till you draw your last breath, life is a battle. People who say they fight no battles really frighten me because life is a battle. And either you're in a battle or you've come out of a battle or you're headed towards a battle. Why? Because where hell sees the kingdom of God, the battle is on. Come on, life is a battle. You'll fight with inward problems. You'll fight with outward problems. You'll fight with, with situations inside a church. Come on, if hell can't stir a church up, that means God isn't present. Turn around and say, wow, we must have an eternal God in this place. (laughs) Come on. Because it's a battle. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. Come on. Because there are people that I do want to kill and repent later. (laughs) Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Come on. Y'all act like y'all never had that thought. Amen on that. I just want to become Jewish. Put their 150 pounds of bull on the altar. Come on. And tell God it's a burnt offering. When you get through, I don't want to see anything but ashes. Come on, just ashes. And as frustrated as I am sometimes with people to want to do that, sometimes I want to pick my bull up. Come on. And say, God, I'm just ready for you to consume it with fire and see nothing but ashes. Why? Because life is a battle. It's a battle. I get up at 3 o'clock every morning to pray. And I wish I could tell you, after doing this for 45 years, it was easy. I find the more I pray, the harder it gets. Come on, because the enemy does not care if I preach. He just doesn't want me to connect to God in prayer. Come on. That's why many people in a church are prayerless and they're in trouble because it's not coming to church that connects you. It's a relationship of prayer. Come on. See, I I want you to know, here sets Ray and the Patriots lost. Now, you got to understand, please understand, I am not a football fan. But when I heard that the Patriots lost, I turned around to Buster and I said, Oh, my God, I need to pray for Ray. He must feel so bad. And I want you to know, I pray. And Buster laughed. I said, Father, please help my brother. He must feel crushed inside. In the midst of it, we need some time to remember that our success in God does not depend on money. Our success in God does not depend on health. Our success in God does not depend on the sanctuary being overflowing. Our success in God is how faithful we are to his word. That's where our success lies. And that's why it's important that when we come together, we get instructions from God because the more I understand his instructions, the more I can be committed to be faithful to his word. And that's what makes me prosperous and successful. I don't need, please, I'm just throwing things out because I feel like there are more people in the boat with me than just myself. I need to remind myself that I don't need to be so impressed with me that I'm more impressed with me than I am with God. Come on, and we can get impressed with ourselves. Come on, and we need to be impressed with God. And then I need to... (laughs) I need to understand when people are confused 
You, you need to realize that God needs to confront us in our confusion because the enemy's job is to confuse us because when you're confused, you'll make wrong decisions. Come on. So someone comes up to me and says, you acting like a nut. Come on. I need to remember Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 1, or 10, I think it is. He went down into his fruit orchards to see how his nuts were growing. Well. So come on. And so when someone tells me, you acting like a nut, I know he's come down in my garden. Come on. Because he wants to check up on how I'm growing. Come, come on. And so in the midst of it, I, I need to understand that without God, without God, church without God, without the Holy Spirit, without the Son, Jesus Christ in my life, I cannot live this life. I can't do it. It's impossible. But with his assistance. And th- the next thing is, what will you be passionate enough about that you'll be willing to give your life for? See, I was looking this morning at the praise team and the instrument players, and I was looking at who had passion and who didn't. Okay, come on. You don't want me to point my finger at you. Come on. Just smile at me and shake your empty head. Come on, because... You can just see passion on people. You can tell whether they're singing or they're worshiping. Come on, and thank God they'll give him their voice. But God wants what's connected to that voice, your body. Come on, how many of you know you can give him your voice and you can give him your instrument and keep yourself to yourself? Come on, you, you can recognize passion. And I tell you, I went to lunch the other day, uh, yesterday with Pastor uh, John and Pastor Anita, and we were sitting at the table, and listen, when Pastor John and I get together, you just might as well get ready to take the offering, because <laughs> we'll have church wherever we are. And I noticed that we, we, we almost had to rent a booth. We stayed so long. But I noticed three people sat down at the table next to us, and all three of them were disturbed because they could hear us preaching to one another. And I went, hallelujah. I seal that word in your heart. I, I, I ask the hounds of heaven to follow you out of the restaurant. Go where you're going. I declare you're going to be saved in Jesus' name. How many of you know that part of our assignment is to agitate people? People that hate the name of God. Oh. And so I'm still waiting for John to give me his love offering to all the wonderful services that we had at the three restaurants. Y'all supposed to say amen so he'll get his billfold out. No. So in the midst of it, we have come because we have to remember that God had the first word and God will have the last word. We, we need to know that provisions come from God. Power comes from God. And we need to realize that there is something happening prophetically right in front of us. And the scripture this morning will declare what prophetically is taking place in America and what God requires of me how to process it, and how to respond to it. Nothing is more frustrating than to face a problem, but nobody can tell me what I'm supposed to do. Can I talk to that group of people? The rest of you can go to breakfast. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. And after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, let me back up just for a minute. Elijah has prophesied that for three and a half years, it will not rain. And there has been not one drop of rain, which means the vegetarian part of the earth had burned up and died. The ground was cracked. The rivers were dry. Nothing showed life. 
Everything wasn't green. Three and a half years, not one drop of rain. Texas just went through 76 days of three-digit temperatures. And I am here to tell you, we lost all our trees and all our shrubbery because we were put on ration for water and we couldn't water. And everything dried just in those 76 days. This is three and a half years and it has not had one drop. So that means the cattle are dying. Come, come on, church. The livestock is dying. What once was prosperous, what once was full and abundant, now the prophetic voice of, of Elijah has prophesied that for three and a half years it will not rain. Why? Because God understands this. My people don't hear as well when they're blessed as when they're in need. Come on, I'm going to talk to you about the nature of God this morning. And I'm going to show you that we don't know Jehovah God like we think we know him. We only know what he's done through Jesus Christ. Come on, what God does and who God is is two different things. And so God speaks to Elijah and he said, go tell Uh, the people or go tell Ahab that I will send rain upon the earth. Why? Because when God finishes what a famine or an economic crisis is supposed to bring about, God once again will be who he said he is and he will bring the abundance of rain and the abundance of blessings. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Please hear me this morning. Please hear me this morning because I do not want you to hear me uh, politically. Come on, I want you to hear me as a Christian this morning that it does not matter what the government is saying. The, The severity of this famine to the United States of America is increasing. About, I don't care. The, uh, politicians will tell you anything that you want to hear to get your vote. That's why you need to be a Christian and pray about what is true and what isn't. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me this morning. Come on, I'm going to rattle your cage. Come on. The famine is severe in America. Jobs are not increasing. Families are not feeling relief. The economics of this world are literally, fragilely held together as a rubber band that is stretching that in 2012 will pop. Can I talk to you? It's going to pop. And God wants to talk to the church because when it pops, God does not want us to react. God wants us to know how to respond to the one who is ruling and reigning over all events in the earth. Can I talk to you? And your pastor has a right to correct anything that he wants to correct. This morning, Elijah said it will ring again. And Ahab, verse 3, called for Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of the water and to all the valleys. Perhaps... We may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. I'm going to park here. Everybody breathe deep because I'm going after your puppy dog. Come come on. They turn around and say, you don't have to like her, but you are commanded to love her. Come on, because I'm going after your puppy dog and your little cat. Come on. We are in the book of 1 Kings when people are more kind and more concerned about the welfare of their animals than they are people. Come on. Now, I won't tell you, I'm not a big puppy dog lover. I have two puppy dogs in my house, and they belong to my son. They do not belong to me. (laughs) 
And when they try to come in my room and get on my bed, I said, you're this close to puppy heaven. (laughs) And if you want to live out and they know that I do not want him on my bed and they're out the door. Now, if you love your puppy, he sleeps with you, you know, and you're, you're, you know, your cat and your little puppy and your bird. But I want you to see a famine three and a half years with people jobless and suffering and family suffering. And the authority is thinking more about his means than he is in the welfare of the people. Last year, 27 billion, not million, billion dollars in the United States of America were spent on animals. Come on, I didn't say millions, I said billions. And yet, when we stand in the church and ask for you to give to missions, oh, y'all. Come on, you can't give a dollar, but you'll take your dog. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Buy him a new chew toy. Take him to a dog psychiatrist. Now they have dog hotels. Now they have dog therapists. And let me tell you how dumb we are. Come on, because I only got shot at once with some of you because y'all ain't going to be back. Let me tell you how dumb we are. It is my little son. Come here to mama. You know what? I want to say, if that hairy thing came out of your womb, you ought to call Guinea's Book of Records because you could be a millionaire. And what are we doing when we say son and daughter? Come on, come to mama. What are we saying? Come to daddy. Daddy's a little boy. Come on, hairy little thing. What are we doing? Come, come on, I want to talk to you. We're putting them on the level of humans, and that is a humanistic spirit that is an antichrist spirit that is a substitute that begins to grip your life where you don't have room to process life like God intended you to process. Come on, I'm here to expose the enemy this morning. He is subtle. You don't have to be homosexual to miss God. Just call a poopy dog your son. Come on, that's why I don't pastor when nobody joined my church. <laughs> At least I have sense enough to know that. Hallelujah. And he went out, and so they divided, verse 6, to the land and passed through. And Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in the other. And as Obadiah was on his way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, it is you, my Lord, Elijah. And he answered, it is me. Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hands of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent out to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, would take an oath of the kingdom or the nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah's here. Two principles I want us to hear this morning. Jezebel was seeking for Elijah for three and a half years and couldn't find him. Can I talk to you about the days ahead? If you will become a prophetic people that desires the mind of God, the heart of God, and the will of God, it doesn't matter what your enemies want to do. God will hide you. Come on, it's Psalms 91 under the sheltering wings. Come on, of the almighty God. A thousand fall to my right and 10,000 fall to my left. They could not 
find Elijah. Why? Because Jezebel wanted to kill Elijah because he'd already gone through the land and killed off all the prophets. Why? Because when people do not want to surrender to God, they hate the voice and the decisions of God. And church, I'm here to tell you there are some people in the church and some people sitting right here that they don't care if God says, I want to bless you and I want to heal you and I want to deliver you. They don't want to hear the voice of God that says, I want to get into your life how you're living. Come on, excuse me. I don't don't want to bless you, prosper you, or heal you. That's a guarantee because you belong to me. I'm a good God and I'll provide for you. But I want to step in your life and I want to talk to you about how you live and how you're surrendered and how you submit to authority. And people don't want to hear that and they want to cut it off or close it off and hope the benediction will come quickly. Come on, turn around and say, a woman is preaching. It is not going to (laughs) happen. Psychologists will tell you men have 75,000 words a day. By the time they get home from work, they have used them all. (laughs) That's why when their wife tries to carry on a conversation, they go, "Mm, uh, mm." They can just make sounds. They've they've ran out of their words. (laughs) Women have 125,000 words. And even when you're on your bed, we're going to shake you because we're going to have the last word. (laughs) Turn around to someone and say, I just had a revelation of what I'm sleeping with. So Elijah is hidden by God, but Jezebel has cut off the prophets. And when they killed the prophet, they always slit his throat and beheaded him. Why? Because a prophet is the eyes, the ears, and the mouth of God. As though they could cut a man's head off and silence this God. Church, I don't know whether you and I are ready to face the fact, but America is an anti-Christ-hating God nation. It used to be that our nation opposed God. Now our nation's agenda is to annihilate God. We believe that we don't need anyone to instruct us or to help us on this journey. So let's look at what happened. And as the Lord lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord, verse 10, uh, that he has not sent me. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah's here, verse 12. And as soon as I've gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you and I won't know where you are. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told to my Lord how Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord and how I took a hundred of the Lord's prophet and by 50 in a cave fed them bread and water and now you say, behold, Elijah's here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives, behold whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to Ahab and told him and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, it is you, you troublemaker of Israel. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals and now therefore sin and gather all of Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asheron who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and he gathered the prophets together at 
Mount Carmel and Elijah came near to all the people saying, how long will you limp between two different opinions? Either the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer a word. Now, can I just bring this to a close? Whenever there's an economic crisis, you can go back in history. The history of a nation is only guaranteed to the degree that they remain in an allegiance to Jehovah God. Anytime a nation begins to turn against Jehovah God, it is the guarantee that that nation will crumble and fall. Come on, go back to history. Because when they began to accept other gods equal with Jehovah, then it becomes God's battle. You've got to hear me this morning. Because the battle that God is about to fight and judge America for is not because the government and education system and society has endorsed homosexuality. It has nothing to do with that we have endorsed and accepted abortion. It has nothing to do with we have endorsed and accepted divorce. It has nothing to do with we have endorsed and and, and, uh, uh, just said it's okay to be an adulterer. Everybody's weak. Everybody sins. Everybody has flesh. But why God is hovering over America right now in great judgment that our nation has never, ever known in the whole history of the founding of America is now his name is at jeopardy. And the reason he has got to come and judge this thing and the battle will intensify is now what is happening in the world with the acceptance of all that is happening inside the church and the church has now began to accept it. Come on, you got to hear me this morning. It's one thing for a heathen to have an abortion. It's one thing for a heathen to commit adultery. It's one thing for a heathen to be entrapped with the sin of homosexuality or lesbian spirits. It's one thing for a heathen to be a liar. It's one thing for a heathen to be a thief. Why? Because sinners act like sinners. Come on. And without God, they don't know what's right and what's wrong. Come on, and they'll do anything. But when we start just sitting back compromising and not opening our voice against sin inside the church. God steps in and says, hold it right there because now what's at jeopardy is my name because you'll think I put up with nonsense. Come on, and I shed the blood of my only son so that you could have life and there should be a transfer of your heathen life for a righteous life. And church, when you have craziness that a pastor of 40,000 member church is found and the accusation of four homosexual accounts are against him and he said, I'm not guilty but will pay $6.8 million settlement outside of court. Come on, we are not that stupid. Come on, wake up. Come on, how many of you know when you got saved, God didn't tell you to park your brain? Come on, come on. And then we're going to wrap him in the Torah and put a crown on his head, put him on our shoulder and parade him in the church and 40,000 people rise to their feet shouting and clapping. Come on. I bet if you know that's called insanity. Insanity means can I assist you because I know in the midst of this you parked your brain somewhere and I can help you find it. Come on, every parent should amen that because that's what you have to do with teenagers. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. (laughs) And whether you want to believe it or not, America's under judgment. 
church, whether we, we can confess whatever we want to confess, but America is under the judgment of the Lord and the beginning of the judgment of God in any nation, if you go back and study history, is an economic crisis begins to happen because God wants them to understand, I was the one that provided for you. And so if you don't need me, I can cut your provision off just like that. Come on, church, you're not going to like where I'm going. The righteous will never be forsaken. But you know what that means? The standard of God is risen in your life and you refuse to compromise. That's who he'll take care of. So now we're looking at the fact that we are in a famine and now Elijah's going to confront the government. The lesson we need to learn. Church, I'm not willing to go through this and not learn something. Come on, nothing's more frustrating to me than for me to go through crises and come out the same. Come on. Come on. I know y'all smarter than me. Come on, come on. But I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box. Come on, I can go through stuff and come out the same. Come on, how many of you know if you're going through something, God says your pencil needs sharpening again. Just turn around to your neighbor and say, I'm going to get this tape for the person that didn't hear this morning. So what do I need to learn? Because 2011 was hell on four wheels for me. Most wonderful year with God. My worship went up to another level. And I thought, wow, I'm really connected to God. And God said, no, I'm connected to you. Because if I don't connect you to me and keep you a worshiper, I'm going to lose you altogether. Come on, worship sometime isn't about you. It's about the God in you. I've been in and out of the doctor. I mean, I've shockabocked, hummed a lot, drawed my sword, shookabaka, rumba, banda. Come on. I've screamed Jehovah Rapha that even hell heard me yelling. And then one of my daughters decided to act totally insane. Come on, I know your kids are small and young and they're sweet, but I want to tell you what. They may wait to become adults to act stupid. Oh, y'all are not hearing me. And my daughter just informed me, just smiling from ear to ear, in an abusive physical marriage that I've been trying to get her to come out of because I have a degree in psychology. I've been trying to get her to come out of for 15 years. She wouldn't come out because of her children. She finally came out after 15 years, broken bones, black eyes, come come on, all that stuff. And now she's decided, I prayed to God. He didn't answer. I kept getting beat up so I can live my life without God. Please pray for her. Her name's Nicole, and would you please ask God to help her find her brain? See, I'm not ashamed to talk about my children. Because listen, when you have religious pride and you don't want anybody to know your, chi- your kids are struggling, what you do is you become the instrument of the devil to keep it in darkness because God can't deal with it until you call it out of darkness into the light. And I, listen to me, I care more about the soul of my daughter and the deliverance and healing than I do my reputation, ministry, and pride. Oh, y'all are not hearing me this morning. Thank you for three that believed it. In the midst of it, what do I need to learn? I need to know that God and God alone is the only one that can meet desperate needs. He's the only one. 
Church, if you think this government is going to turn this around, you are totally deceived. Because America is in such a mess, we need someone bigger than a Democrat or a Republican or a polka dot zebra or a Sarah Palin flapping up uh, buffalo buggers. Come on, we... Come on, we need a God that arises to the scene that says, I'm the only one that can fix desperate needs. That's my first lesson. Are you desperate this morning? Because if you're not, I promise you for this thing's over, you're going to be singing, I'm desperate. The cry that comes from human hearts in a crisis moves a sovereign, holy God. Come on, come on. Church, can I talk? See, if, if he doesn't see a desperation in us, if he doesn't hear a cry from the human heart this morning, my marriage is just blonde, or, or my children just sit in church and they don't engage in God. And through the week, I can live my life without opening the Bible or praying or on the job. Nobody can tell I'm a Christian. I act like the rest of the heathen. See, if God doesn't hear that desperate, uh, or I'm in a financial crisis. Come on, all of us are feeling the pressure of, of the financial crisis. It's going. If God doesn't hear the human heart crying out he has nothing to answer but there is something when God hears the human heart crying out in desperation and in crisis he rises up not only as a sovereign God but as a delivering God that is about to address hell and say get out of the way they belong to me So he's got to hear that desperate cry that comes from the inner heart. God is victorious. But not only that, he's triumphant. Victorious and triumphant are two things. He is victorious in his spirit, but he triumphs over everything. And If you didn't get anything out of this as we close this morning, please get this. Turn around to someone and say, I knew she was at least going to make one sentence that made sense. (laughs) And here it is. It's biblical. God is our help in time of trouble. 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 And in the midst of it, God is sovereign. And now Ahab and Elijah have met head on. God's in control of what's happening. Can I say this? And again, please hear me as a Christian. God controls Obama. Come on, I don't care if he's a Christian. I don't care if he's a Muslim. I don't care if he's in between. Come on, I I don't care what. I, I don't know. Come on, it doesn't matter what he is. God's controlling him. Why? Because God controls and the hearts of the kings are in his hand. So it don't matter whether I voted for him or I didn't vote for him. So come on, stay with me. His heart. Come on, I don't care where he thinks his heart is. His heart right in the hand of the king. Come on, and God's controlling the events. Everything that's happening. God's controlling the affairs and the events of this thing that is going to, co- to collide, that is going to usher in the kingdom of God and the return of Jesus Christ. It is his kingdom. Therefore, no one else is in control but him because it is his kingdom. 
Sometime earlier, Obadiah was put in Ahab's camp or in his courtyard. And he was a chief administrator. And yet the Bible said that he feared God. And it stressed Obadiah out to think that he would have to go before Ahab and say that Elijah wanted him to come out because he knew for three and a half years that God had hit Elijah. And and so now, after these three years of famine, now Obadiah is going to have to go and tell Elijah that God is standing there. Now, let me just close this because I want to bring it to a place. Peace comes. Church, listen to me. And your pastor may never have me back when he knows what a mess I am. But you know what? I am not disturbed about my mess because I have asked Jesus to step inside my mess. Come on, come on, you only in trouble when you have a mess and you don't think you need him to step inside. In 2011, I have fought like I have never fought in my 73 years. I have fought for peace to my mind. I'm talking about a raging battle. I'm talking about when I get down on my knees to pray, to have my mind just to settle down with peace before I could even talk to God. I'm talking about in my praise and worship when I automatically lift my hands because I know that honors God, but my mind still raging over the battles physically and emotionally and mentally that I've been in in 2011 just to come to peace. And I want to rattle you this morning along with me, the Antichrist that is about to come on the scene is going to take something that is so chaotic that government-educated people, nobody can bring order to it, and the Antichrist is going to step in that, and he is immediately going to bring order that brings a false peace. Come on, church, stay with me to the end of this because this whole thing's going to be prophetic this next two or three days. Jesus gets ready to ascend into heaven. These are his last words that will fill the earth's atmosphere. He's not going to have any other opportunity to speak words that will fill the earth's atmosphere as the resurrected Lord. He is about to come and he's going to sit at the right hand of the Father. His words will fill the earth, but they are seeing him face to face as the resurrected Lord. And he does not say, prosperity, I leave you. Wealth, I leave you. Healing, I leave you. Why? Because he understood that if you know who he is, all those things he will provide for you because he loves you. But he says to you, my peace I leave unto you, not as the world can give you. What is he saying? You don't understand. You seek for all this stuff. But you better know peace that comes from the Prince of Peace that rules over your mind and rules over your emotions. Peace. 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 And I want to tell you when peace comes. Can I tell you as we close? And if the little, thank you, Ray. Don't you just love Ray? I love Ray. I'm in love with Ray. I just confess that I'm in love with Ray. I I was in love with Ray before you were in love with Ray. (laughs) I love Ray. You know where peace comes from? When God is handling your battle. Come on, you don't know how to fix it. You don't know how you got in it. That's where you don't know how to get out of it. Come on. And you just say, the battle is not mine. 
and you learn to surrender all of that into the hands of God. And when your battle is in his hand, peace that passes all understanding comes to you. Peace when God is handling your battles. Now let's look at it because Ahab called Elijah a troublemaker. (laughs) You're not good and saved until somebody gets upset at you. Turn around and say, enough people are upset at me. If you don't have anybody, I'll give you a couple of mine. (laughs) He said, oh, you troublemaker. Why? Come on. Because when an economic crisis comes where God is trying to get our attention and the famine becomes severe, we always want to blame somebody. Come on. Now the Republicans are blaming the Democrats. Come on, and the Democrats are blaming the Republicans. Come, come on, how, how many of you know that men that try to run a nation without God being in his rightful place is going to mess it up? Come on, it don't matter what party they belong to or what color they are. Come on, everybody in Texas, we're as stupid as other people. They thought George Bush was so good. I'm telling you, George Bush didn't do that good a job. George Bush would have been doing good if he'd have had an encounter at the bush like Moses. Come on, and the bush would have talked to him. Come on. So what we need to realize, listen, church, what we need to process, this isn't political. Come on, wake up. This is a spiritual thing that's happening. That's right. And we have to process it as Christians, not as a culture. Come on, can I just talk to you? See, I'm a Caucasian. You do know that, don't you? <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> you do know I'm... I'm a Caucasian. I didn't hear it. What? I got a good idea, yeah. Yeah, you got a good idea? I want you to have the whole idea. And you do know I'm a woman. Yes. Oh, wow. Thank God. And listen, here I am a Caucasian white woman. And here he is and... I'm sorry, I just don't ever say African-American. I don't like that word because when you speak African, it summons every spirit from Africa on that culture because what you call them is what they become. Oh, y'all. So I'm white and you black. You do know that, don't you? Wow. There's a brain up there. Hallelujah. And his wife said, glory to God, because he's going home with me. But listen, our cultures are different. Come on, we were raised different. We were educated different. We processed different. But when it comes to end time events, my Christianity is what needs to trump my culture. Come on, my Christianity has to trump my culture. And so we're going to look at it tonight. Where's my boyfriend? You need to be playing. You're supposed to help your sister out. He's so in love, he doesn't even know where he's at. It was a mess when he got a wife, but when he got a daughter, dear Jesus. Do you know when we sin how much God loves us? He will chasten us back into the Word. And you know what he said to Ahab through Elijah? You're where you are. Not because I was a troublemaker. But you abandon the commandments of a living God. 
You no longer obeyed what God told you to obey. And when you don't obey what God tells you, He will chasten you back unto Himself. And listen, the famine, the economic crisis we're in, I don't care how you cut it down. It's because we have sinned against a living God. We have not given Him His rightful place. Our government, our education system, homes, families, churches are no longer ruled by the commandments of God. And through this discipline, all God wanted was not destruction to a nation. All God wanted was a people that belonged to Him. To say, God, turn me back to you. God, where I have broken your commandments and I've been disobedient. Where I thought I could rule my life and run it without your input. Where my culture became more important than my Christianity. Where people's opinion mattered more than what you thought about my life. I just repent and I'm asking you to turn me back to a holy and awesome God in the midst of this financial crisis that is happening. Turn me back to you that I can be not a person that will be silent anymore. We're going to look at it. It is a sad day when prophetically someone will say, if he's God, follow God. And if he's Baal, follow Baal. And they didn't open their mouth because they did not know who God was. They knew what he could do, but they didn't know him. And they stood in silence and wouldn't stand up and make a statement who Jehovah God was. And God was trying to turn their hearts back because he said, all I want is a people that will have no other gods before them but me. All I want is a people that thou shalt not commit adultery. All I want is a people that won't have graven images. All I want a people that won't take my name in vain. All I want is a people that won't steal or kill. All I want is a people that will treat people like I treat people. And I'm not after destruction in this economic crisis. I'm after capturing your heart and turning you back to God. And that you love God with all your heart with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything that's in you. There is a passion that says he's my God. So Father, this morning, would you take the words of your book? Would you hide them in the tablets of our heart this morning? Would you make us living epistles? May you write your word upon our heart that we may not sin against God. And God, in this crisis, may we realize that it's more than economics and it's more than what the press says and it's more than what politics says and it's more than what the education system says. It's what God is saying to us. Return to God with all that is in you. And Father, this morning at Faith Christian Center, we make a choice. And Lord, we say yes. Take your rightful place, not only in our heart, but in our mind, in our emotions, and in our body, until everything in us says, holy, 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 I will follow God in Jesus' name. Amen.